You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at the Season 2, Episode 13 of Star Hunter Redux, entitled A Stitch in Time? Episode Synopsis Travis is a weird, topsy-turvy dream. He's alone on the Transutopian. He keeps hearing someone call his name, and he finds Percy dead in the command chair. Instead of rejoicing, he screams, No! And awakens with a fright. Dreams never make sense. In the real world, the Transutopian has arrived on Mars to collect a dangerous ex-military prisoner for transport to Clark Station. Soon, Percy has spotted something strange on the screen. Flashing where no flashing should be. Travis hears a distress signal that no one else does, and they head towards the uninteresting and uninhabited asteroid Ida to investigate until they reach the point that the ship is being hit by mysterious gravimetric waves and everyone can finally hear the distress call from the Galantis, an orbital station about Ida. During this time, Percy is hit by some form of wave thingy and starts acting more like a normal person than usual. Captain Parker of the station requests help for the crew of the station and the miners working the asteroid. After some bouncy bounce shuttle flying, Travis and Callie arrive at Galantis, but there is no one except Captain Parker aboard, and there is no sign of the mines below. Rescuing only Captain Parker, they return to the Transutopian, where Percy starts up a conversation with the prisoner about taking over the ship. When Parker contacts his superiors on Mars, they've never heard of him, nor his station. The answer is obvious. Parker has jumped from another parallel universe. The Percy not Percy overhears this and realizes they're onto her. She is an escaped mass murderer that sabotaged the dimensional what's a doodle on the mine to jump universes and inhabit someone else's body. Back up against the wall, she releases the prisoner and they try to take the ship and kill Parker, unsuccessfully. Parker says if they just go back to the Galantis, tech the tech, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, and put some uncertainty back into the Heisenberg compensators, things will happen. And they do, and everything is back to normal. I have some observations. Tell me one good thing in this episode. I, I feel like I'm just kicking an ugly puppy week after week when I'm talking about Star Hunter Redux. And and please give me something good. There was something good in this episode. What the heck was it? Didn't you notice Tanya Allen's acting style being different when she was one Percy as opposed to when she was a different Percy? A little... I noticed that she, I did. I don't know that I would have said I would have pointed that out as the highlight of the episode, but oh, okay. So I, here's here's my thoughts. Uh, my first thoughts watching this, there were there were three basic things that crossed my mind, and or four if you want, but three of them felt to me like this might be problems due to rejiggering it from being Star Hunter twenty three hundred to being Star Hunter Redux. Go ahead. The first is is that this episode feels 100% right up to and including the title to be about Parker and the prisoner 
being from the future. But in dialogue, it is expressly made clear that it is a parallel universe. Two, the opening. Asteroid Ida. Title on screen. And then, Mars. Which, to me, is like the announcer going, Here on Asteroid Ida, nothing to see here. Let's move on. And I feel like that scene should have been cut or that there needed to be something happening on Asteroid Ida for us to waste our time with that screen. And the third, and I couldn't say for certain, but I just somehow have a feeling that that voice that was talking to Travis might have been, might have been Dante? And it might have been added in post. I'll take these in order. On the first two, those are in the unaltered original version of the episode. Really? Okay. Um, On the third one, that voice was there in the original episode. And this is the, uh, and this is where I come to a bit of cutting to go from Star Hunter 2300 to Star Hunter Redux. Okay. Because, uh, I wrote this down verbatim. So here we go. The voice the, uh, says, first, the first time the voice speaks, it says, Travis, my son, quote, unquote. Okay. Then it repeats Travis a few times. And then later in the dream sequence, when Travis is on the bridge and he hears the voice again, the voice says, Travis, help me. Okay. That's so in the original they, version. But not in the current version, which... The it voice says, only says Travis. Yes. Okay. Can can you identify, was that actor Michael Pere? It was not. It was not. Okay. I thought perhaps they had changed from whatever had originally been there and got Pere in when I, when I know they have him come into a cameo later on and record a few Travises or lifted them from, you know, all the 18 billion times that he said Travis in series one. No. To... In point, of fact, in, in, point of fact, in point of fact, this brings me to a question of the cast, because the, one of the major differences between season one and season two is that the credits on season one do a better job of identifying who played which role. All right. And so I, so I, there, I have four actors for two parts, and so I, and I don't know who played which one. Um, so um, I have four names here. They're all male names, and one of them voiced... Dante Montana. Okay. Well, then let me ask you this question. What part did the bartender play? I noticed that too. That was bizarre. There was no bartender. <laughs> yes. That was the only listed credit in the end. That was actually, actors. that was actually said, from. I think it was from a different episode. That was from the previous episode. Ah, okay. Okay. That was my suspicion, but I didn't want to bother to check to see if that was the same uh, actor. It that, was. Uh, credited. So yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so they cut a little corners there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. By just reusing credits. All now, right. Uh, yes. Now, as far as cutting um, the uh, lines in tra- in Travis's dream, I actually know why that is. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I'm guessing that we that's a future thing because there is something about this episode that's clearly setting up events in the future and that well all right let let, let me let me let me step back so so you were telling me that this show which 
is called A Stitch in Time. Yes. It involves no time travel, just dimension hopping, and involves another parallel universe where they appear to be more technologically advanced, not a future universe where they appear to be more technologically right. advanced. It's not about time travel. It's about, as they say specifically, it's just hopping to a different dimension. <laughs> it's like, oh. And that's not something that they altered from the original. No. The, that, in fact, that, the, the, the original title was Stitch in Time. Yes, no, they added no the a. a. They added the A. Probably some uh, grammar Nazi uh, said that that name sucks. Um, they did that on Space 1999 way too much, and we're not going to do it here. Um, All that glisters. Well, I was thinking of, um, in the first season, there were several episodes where it felt like it should have a the or an uh in front of it, and it didn't. And I don't have that list in front of me, but it was a a nightmare when I was typing up the episode stuff because I would naturally add them in, and then... Right, before they would go out, I'd have to go, oh, no, no, it's not called Apple of One. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, I think it's a personal preference that sometimes the somebody wants to be arty, so they remove it. Um, okay. And the opening with the asteroid, where they just show the asteroid and then give it a title and then nothing. That just, was in the original episode. God, the show is so poorly put together. It's just staggering. Um, it's really staggering. Okay, um, the part that I see that's obviously setting up uh, the return of the Divinity Cluster is the fact that Travis heard the distress call when nobody else did. And, and, and he saw the flashy thing in his dream. And he saw the flashy thing in his dream. Although it seems like that was a different flashy thing. I mean, it was the same type of flashy, but right. I don't know. There's something different about it. I... As you said, dreams don't make sense. Mm, yes, I mean, he was upset when Percy was killed. Oh, come on! No, nobody's going to buy that. <laughs> it's just not happening. So, that makes the case for this being actually Travis Montana. I, I know you've said that your 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 personal canon is that this is not Travis Montana. Actually, it's it's not my personal canon. It's the canon of uh, of, one, one, of one of the series creators. All right, well, if it isn't in the show... By the time and, we get to the end of it, then he's and, just and, he, and actually, just, he just comes out in, in the last episode of the season and, and puts it in dialogue, actually. Okay, well, we'll see how... And uh, and so that is why... Uh, and that is why... They removed for, the they removed My Son. My Son. Okay. Okay. Well, so it's... Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll save my thoughts on that when we get there. Um... Also, yes, because I got very little on this episode. So there's this incredibly valuable mineral on Ida. Theronium. Theronium that people in this universe don't know about. Stake your claim, crew of the Trans-Utopian. Get rich now. Mm -hmm. Discover it. Be millionaires. Stop being silly bounty hunters. Do something and get fabulously wealthy. I I don't know. Seems like they should have used this knowledge for for good for themselves. But it seems they're willing to ignore it. I kind of doubt that there's no thorium, thoronium, thorium in their universe. I mean, it's possible, but... Yeah. Okay. 
Um, this, um, I'll read you something I wrote about this episode. Let me find it here. Yeah, I should ask you, did you think this was good? It was, it, it kept my attention. I've seen better. Uh, um, it's a bit wibbly wobbly, timey wimey to, it's to a bit, a phrase. It's a bit soggy woggy written on toilet papery is what it is. And the detail, and it's, well, when you realize that the other Ida is there in its parallel universe and the crew is probably wondering what happened to their captain. Well, I suspect yeah. that if they're in the other in the other universe, they're not wondering what happened to their captain. They're wondering what happened to the space station that they were surviving on. Right, yeah. And you notice that in the in this there's a scene with, with the scene with where Travis and Callie b- 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 went aboard Galantis and they found the captain. He was mm. calling down to the mine or trying to. Yep. Yep. He was which wasn't there. Wasn't there, and uh, and he was calling out names because there are people supposed to be down there, and he couldn't find them. Right, right. I think he. I didn't. I didn't go back to count the numbers, but he said there was X number of crew. Was I it do. 17? I do. I do have and the twenty on the mine, something I, like that. I have the, actually the numbers: twenty crew and eighty miners. Twenty and eighty. Okay. So, you know, it makes sense that there would be people on the station, and and. Yeah. The station disappeared without them, so that's uh, and the, well, the mine. I suspect is still fine. Yes, and, which and is when, funny. And when the wave hit the tulip at the end, um, Rudolfo vanished from his chair and wound up somewhere else in the bridge, and mm, yeah, Garcia wound up inside the chair. So it's yeah, make of it what I, you will. <laughs> I, I, I have my theory. My theory is drugs. Lots and lots of drugs, because none of this episode makes a, a lick of sense on any level other than just, like, what if Percy acted different? I know. We'll just uh, have her taken over by somebody, dude. <laughs> it's like, how? Doesn't matter. We'll just do that. huh? And then, like, that'll be cool, huh? Because I... It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make any sense. It just, it just, why does one person, I mean, and she explains it to the prisoner off camera. Well, that is quite an escape across dimensional Uh, lines. Something like that. Let's talk about that scene. Uh Uh-huh. Let's talk about that one because I was sorting this out. Let's, uh, let's think about that one, the prisoner. He was... Um, obviously, from the other universe, he had heard of, the, he knew of the Galentis. He was obviously from the other universe? Yes. He mentioned Galentis. He had heard about her jailbreak from it. Um, how, no, he, he never, he never mentioned that until after they'd been having a conversation. And then, and so we cut right in the middle of a scene and he comes back and, okay, so you've made your escape from okay. the Galantis. Good job. But he never knew anything. There was no evidence he knew anything about it prior to her telling him. Also, uh, think about this. He, let's put, let's put all the pieces together here. He, uh, apparently there are, there are doubles inside. Apparently some people have twins in the other universe and some people don't. And uh, maybe, and I took that he's one of the people... That, that there was a there's a Ritson in our universe and a Ritson in that universe. Uh, what evidence do we have of that? 
And okay, there's like let's take a listen to the dialogue at toward the beginning of the episode where he had been a, a very a capable, loyal Jupiter Federation elite forces soldier until 18 months ago when he went AWOL. Now, the implicit in all, when you put all the pieces together, it's implicit that that decorated soldier was our universe's version of, of this character. And the other one, the evil one, crossed over in the two the two swapped places because apparently that's what happens when people cross over. And so the evil one was, um, was the one who 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 went a wall. Well, I think you I think you're take, building a puzzle by using a hammer to no. beat the pieces together because for one we have absolutely not the slightest evidence. That whomever took over Percy looks like Percy. I mean, there's there's nothing of that, and and it far more likely would have been if Parker had seen her and gone, "How did you get off?" or but didn't. Um, and the the prisoner. I mean, we don't have any. We don't have any uh we don't have any evidence of that just because eight months ago he went bad i mean mm-hmm. half the people in this universe seem to go bad all of a sudden they're all crooked scum uh so i i don't i don't see that everybody who has an exemplar you know everybody has an exemplary record until they get caught so it, oh, i i i think you're reading way too much into this episode actually i first i watched the original and that's all sitting in there so they've removed all that from the original yes then my argument stays the same when they were making this they were high on drugs um because they have taken a plot which i'm still don't think sounds particularly plausible and they've made it worse by cutting out any kind of rhyme nor reason that they might have had for this situation. So, I mean, not good. And the other half of that is, I made light of it in the, uh, in the end, but we can, in the synopsis, but I can go into it in a little further detail. Why exactly did Travis and Callie and Marcus all fly over to the Galantis to return one guy? Don't know. And uh, how, in any way, shape, or form, did that help him flying shuttle and all they did was drop off parker who flipped a couple switches and then apart from a bumpy ride they flew back saw some wavy things and everything's fine now i mean that's it there was no resolution to this story there was there was no logic to them getting there and there was no logic to them going back there was no remote effort other than just to a couple of lines of nonsensical dialogue it it really is just a this is not even a first draft script and if you're telling me that it made more sense in the original version that's mind blowing <laughs> that's just mind blowing that that they're i i i just about threw up my hands and and gave up 
on this. It was it was so my wife was watching it and with me and not well. She wasn't watching it well, but she was she was there in the room. And I started ranting and she goes, "Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, somebody came over from a parallel universe, took over the Percy, and then they uh, sent her back." And I go, "Okay, yes. You got it. 100% of everything that happened in that episode of any notice, you got it right there. That was it. No details to any of that. Just scenes. Uh, although they should have shot Rodolfo in the end when he came out pretending to be a bad guy. Yeah, it was a bad move on his part. That was stupid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, uh, yes. And did you notice that Captain Parker recognized Percy? No. I did not notice that. He did. Where? When she went into his, his guest quarters. Didn't he see her prior to that? No. Mm. He looked at her. He knew, he knew who she was. Doesn't explain why Captain Parker's here. He obviously didn't transpose places with somebody. So he, in fact, actually, and the Galantis, physically transferred from one universe to another, whereas Percy and... Perhaps Hannibal Lecter, uh, perhaps, but not in this story, uh, or in this version, were somehow wave-squeezed across. I wondered about that, and the closest parallel I came to was from Jerome Bixby. (laughs) Uh Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, don't, don't even try throwing out a mirror mirror. I was, but I, that's the closest one I could get, I could ever reach on that one. I was, I was proudest of my wife after this episode, uh, because she did say something like, perhaps it's supposed to be a bit like mirror, mirror. And I was like, I cannot believe you knew that by name and you correctly called it, but no mirror, mirror's got its problems, but no, <laughs> this is, this is somebody watched mirror, mirror on drugs and then wrote and handed it into a script editor who was on drugs, who then gave it to a director who on drugs produced it, and it somehow got past drugged up network executives. It, it just now, <laughs> this this did not pass any person who was sober, or they just didn't care, and and that's my theory. They just don't care. They just don't care. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 wearing me down. It's wearing me down. Um, are there anything else? I mean, they, I, I learned nothing. I mean, mm. nothing happened. I mean, she stages a freaking jailbreak with a prisoner, and that lasts all of, what, 30 seconds? I mean, it's completely and utterly unsuccessful. It really is no jeopardy for the crew at all. They just go, oh, they're out? All right, let's go capture them. Okay, okay. we captured them. Just, I have one point of, you know, just trying to be clear. I get the impression that Parallel Universe Percy has been breaking out of that prison off and on. It, and that the reference that that uh, our prisoner made was to a previous jailbreak. And that what we have in this episode is the most recent jailbreak. I still feel like you're reading way more into this episode than, it's, than exists in this episode. But I'm not pretending it doesn't have major problems. I'm just trying to follow the references. What reference would that be? 
It's I was just putting the pieces together and realizing, well, 18 months, the jailbreak he mentioned must have happened more than 18 months ago inside the time frame of this episode. Except I stand by my reasoning that says he's talking about the jailbreak she just told him about. And she doesn't know anything about him. If she thinks he's her confederate from another universe, why does she grab him and torture him when she first goes down to interrogate him in the in the cell, right? She goes, she twists his arm. She's like, can you pilot this ship? Do, you know, she, she, does, she doesn't know him. They don't know each other. And then we have a fairly long period of time where they're out of camera, where they're talking to each other. And after that, so that's a pretty good jailbreak you got from Galantis there. Okay, she just told him about the jailbreak from Galantis. He's going, I'm impressed. That's a hell of a jailbreak. Okay, let's take this ship. I I just... Actually, in dialogue, he said he had heard about it. He didn't say from whom. He said he'd heard about it. Um, It just... They're just awful writers. Who was the awful writer of this? The listed writer is Roger Gartland. Have we seen him before? Yes. I'll get you a list coming right up. In order, he wrote Starcrossed. Starcrossed, that's the Romeo and Juliet one? That is where we get um, Dakota 79 and those writers. Okay. And then he wrote Chasing Janus. That's with Callie's family. Okay. By the way, remember Chasing Janus. It'll be important later in the season. That's all I'm saying about that. And then he wrote the third thing. Okay. Well, the reality program, which was scripted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then he wrote this one. And next, coming up, Just Politics. That's toward the end of the season. And. He wrote License to Fill, which is the clip show. Ah. And he wrote Hyperspace One, which is the penultimate episode. And and he wrote Hyperspace Two, which is the last one. Um, wow. Okay. So we have a whole bunch more of his to watch. That's four more episodes. All right. Mm. Mm. Let's see. Mm-hmm. The director was Colin Buxy. He's a... He worked a lot in the second season. Cameraman, right? That was a different director. I don't recall. I can check that for you. This is... uh, No, he's not that person. I I didn't think so. I mean, I I don't think anybody has ever stood out as a director on this show. And occasionally they do, well, stand out the wrong way once in a while. But uh, I didn't notice anything in this other than just, you know... The through line doesn't make any sense, so... Yeah, Bugsy directed Becoming Shiva. That's with the eco-terrorist. Mm, mm-hmm. Torment, which was with Rudolfo's daughter. He directed Painless with Anista the Drug. Mm, oh, yeah, that one made no sense, yeah. He directed oh. Super Max Redux. Uh-huh. Let me just keep scrolling here. He directed... The Air and the Spare, that one, that one's coming up. I was going to say, I haven't heard that one, so yeah. He directed Negative Energy, that one's also coming up. Well, uh, didn't uh, really saw nothing to, to call him out, so that's probably the best thing I can say about a director on Star Hunter Redux. 
Uh, I didn't notice. Got out of the way. Uh, alright. I, I got nothing. I mean, I, I got nothing. They just threw an hour of people talking and... I, so, I, why? Why did they have to thread the needle when they were flying to the Galantis? Oh, and, and go fly, fly, through the, fly through the Stargate thing? Yeah. Yeah, why, why did they have to do that? <laughs> Why not just go over it or around it? I mean, I realized there was a barrier around the base they were having trouble getting through. But it seemed I, like they had to fly through that thing like it was a docking bay. Well, it but, looked but as it, if there was some sort of energy barrier or something in the way the hole was through that Stargate ring. Sure, it did look like that. Have we seen any evidence that there is any kind of force field technology in this universe? Well, apparently the, no, but apparently there's such um, technology in the other one. Yeah, but how would how would Travis know that? No, wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> so they would get blown up going in the other way, uh, or they would have mentioned it in dialogue. It's just it's like I couldn't figure out what the heck they were trying to do. Like I think, and I thought, well, maybe this is a completely re-rendered new CGI space station. No. The old one, he was actually trying to fly through a door. No, and some guy thought, hey, I got a better idea. <laughs> Uh, even a glow. You know what? Even a glow. If there'd been a, like a glow around it like a force field, I could have I could have bought on this. But as it was, it's just like, I just have to prove to Kelly I'm a good flyer. So I'm going to fly through that little hole thing. And then I'm going to not even land there. Then I'm going to fly around the station a while. And just, I, unless you have anything else, I'm going to leave it here. All right, then. Episode 14 will bring us back around to the orchard. Yeah, I saw that in the previews. I saw that in the previews. I admit I don't like the way they do the previews on this show, but uh, they don't they don't give you any warning. It's not that the spoilery aspect of it bothers me, but I mean, you the way this show is edited and cut and hacked, sometimes they cut from one scene to the next and you're like, oh, there's, oh no, this is the next time. All right, never mind. It's just kind of, it's kind of strange. Should put it after the credits or something, but you know. Uh, yeah, I, um, I watch the teasers at the end of an episode, and I think that, that doesn't represent that episode well. Well, I mean, that is kind of the job of a teaser is to get you to actually want to watch it. I mean, so far, if they'd represented the episodes well, I wouldn't watch them. So I guess maybe this is. This is that, uh, you know, the art of the trailer to fool you. All right, Kenneth, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Hello, listeners. I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash Fusion Patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.